Hey, everybody. Welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I'm your host, and I got to have some fun today. We actually switched things up. Jody Phillips, good friend and coworker, interviews me, and we do some myth-busting. We talk about some myths around the concept of a clear path of discipleship. Jody managed to uh, interview me and get some of my hobbies, so I talk briefly about chickens and apple orchards talk about writing a book, but mostly we do some myth busting on a clear path of discipleship. Uh, We talk about things like how do you help people who are both ministry leaders and participants in ministries, how do they find the right spot where they're supposed to grow and they're supposed to serve? Great conversations of how clear path of discipleship is anything but a fad and is actually at the heart of the church's timeless wisdom for the making of disciples. So you're going to love today's episode. Go ahead and take a listen. Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Well, hello, Jim, and welcome to the EquipCast. Thank you, Jody. <laughs> um, well, I've interviewed you before. So this isn't the first time I've done this. I'm Jody, in case anyone didn't catch that. But I just want to go ahead and kick us right off and, and get right into this. I believe last time I interviewed you, you were able to tell us a little bit about your journey of faith and, mm-hmm. and kind of how you encountered the Lord. But I thought I'd ask about a time you, you encountered the Lord maybe recently, a little bit more recently. Oh, that's great. I love that. So it's the Easter season now, um, kind of like in, in the uh, 50 days here as we as we celebrate Easter. And I love, uh, I have to credit St. Ignatius for this, but I love how Jesus's resurrection ministry is this kind of like surprise. He just kind of like shows up, finds disciples who are confused, discouraged, and he just like comes alongside them, gives them this moment of encounter and kind of draws them back into the, the, the way forward. So in, and often into mission. So, I mean, I think about like the, the disciples on the road to Emmaus is like mm-hmm. the classic example. They're like discouraged. They're walking away, sneaks up on them, has a conversation, uh, reveals himself in a little Bible study and then in, uh, the breaking of the bread. And they then become, you know, mission missionaries going back. Um, same thing, you know, for the miraculous catch of fish with Peter, where, you know, like he kind of recommissions, they get the catch of fish, recommissions Peter again back at a charcoal fire. I feel like I've seen that kind of surprise ministry a lot the last couple of weeks. Just just little things. Like I just got a thank you note from someone today that was like, it was just like, it was super encouraging. I don't get a lot of surprise visitors here at the Chantry. Not that I'm asking for them, uh, <laughs> but man, do I enjoy them when they come. And I've had a lot of surprise visitors lately that have just showed up and it's just been like an amazing blessing conversation with old friends. And a lot of it have had very unexpected like, Oh, I did not see this coming. I had something canceled in my day at a surprisingly open spot. And all of a sudden the Lord shows up embodied in someone else who who's just able to be a blessing. So I've had a lot of that, that lately. Oh, that is, that's a real gift. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, 
I am grateful for it. So better than people showing up and you not having time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, uh, take a message. No, it's been really, it's been really good. And I think it's a gift that I'm trying to cultivate as part of like the Easter devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like after the first week when you're kind of done with like the chocolate binge, it's like, how do you celebrate Easter? And part of it is I've been watching for the way he shows up in my day in surprising fashion. Mm. So yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, that's beautiful. I'm going to sit with that actually. Well, we've also had the opportunity to hear about your your day job, um, <laughs> what you do, I think, mm-hmm. for the most part. But I would love for you to tell us something that we may not know about you, particularly the listeners, if there's any surprising yeah. facts about you, Jim. There's nothing that our listeners don't already know about me. <laughs> that, <No. laughs> that actually sounds about right. <laughs> no, as a matter of fact, yeah. Uh, no, uh, so this is, I, I live in, I live in Bellevue, Nebraska. Uh, it's a, it's a suburb, but I happen to have a fair amount of land behind me. So I have chickens. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm a uh, hobby farmer. So I have some, some chickens that I take care of. And I have a little mini orchard. I have two pear trees and three apple trees. And if there's any arborists or agronomists or people that know something about fruit trees, I actually need some help because something's not working with, with my with my fruit trees. Uh, you need a partridge. Yeah. I, well, uh, maybe. Yeah. I just who knew that was it. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the missing that's the missing thing. But there's but yeah, I love. My, you know, my roots are in uh, Cedar County, Nebraska. That's where my dad grew up. I used to spend a lot of time on my aunt and uncle's farm up there. Mm-hmm. So I don't have any real carpentry or uh, agricultural skill, but I love it. Mm-hmm. And so I play around. Anyway, if anybody wants to coach me on my <laughs> fruit trees, I could use the help. But that's that's what I do for fun. I put on Carhartts and, and a jacket. I go out to the forest, use the chainsaw, um, just play around out back at home. I'm curious, considering our listeners, just how many calls you're going to get the day after this. <laughs> yeah. I, you're like, I love chainsaws too. Yeah. And I happen to know something. Yeah. There's going like, to be a lot of help coming your way. Yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our conversation. Um Jim, can you give us a little bit of the background on the state of evangelization in our parishes today and how a clear path of discipleship can help? Yeah. So, I mean, first off, I would say I actually find the the state of evangelization in the church today, and that would be parishes and all the sub-ministries that make up parishes, schools, youth ministry, religious ed, adult evangelization, on and on, I actually find it very hopeful. For context, you know, I served as a missionary for almost 20 years. And like, literally, when I began as a missionary, I was sometimes met with suspicion from very faithful Catholics. You're like, you're doing Bible study? Does the bishop know? You know, and and it's like I think so. I mean, yes, it, he was really excited, and you know, like there's there was a there's a growing awareness I think within the church now that we are called to make disciples. I was just mm-hmm. reflecting as, as I thought about this. Uh, Pope Francis wrote Joy of the Gospel in 2013. You know, and that's a little more. You know, we're like what seven, nine, nine years. Uh, from from that right now here mm-hmm. to 2022, that's the first time the terminology missionary disciple was used. Mm. And that's like, again, in church world, which is not normal world, but like that's become kind of common parlance. Mm-hmm. I'm not a real historian for the church, but that's like really fast for, for the concept of missionary disciples, for the awareness of our 
call to make disciples to have filtered out the way it has is pretty astounding. You know, I mean, just like people talk about like the church kind of moves forward in, you know, in centuries and feel like there's like just the energy around evangelization, the awareness, some of the very cool ministries and programs, things like Alpha, Christ Life. There's a lot of really good stuff going on. I think what is missing is, well, this concept that a clear path of discipleship uh, embodies, and that is how do the ministries and programs that we have that help people grow, how are they actually connected? Mm -hmm. How do they work together to help a ministry like youth ministry or a whole parish make disciples. Mm -hmm. That's what I think is missing, which I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, yeah. So talk to me a little bit before we get too too much further. Can you clarify what we mean when we talk about a clear path of discipleship? Sure. Uh, I can give like a short definition here. So a clear path of discipleship is a step-by-step strategy for making disciples and bringing people to their full maturity in Christ, right? It's just step-by-step strategy Mm -hmm. for making disciples bringing people to their full maturity in Christ. It it could be a, you know, at the parish level, it could be a whole collection of programs and ministries, or it could be uh, very key moments or sub-ministries, if you will, within a youth ministry or religious ed. Mm -hmm. You know, so a youth ministry might have kind of like the leadership training program, and they might have like the kind of conversion retreat. You know, they might have their kind of like come and see night where new people engage. Those would even be parts of a clear path, or they would be an embodiment of that, even within one mm-hmm. one little ministry. Generally, the parts or the step-by-step is kind of divided in, into four. A little bit of an artificial distinction, but it's helpful just to, to lay out the concept. So the first one is a relational outreach. That's a ministry or a moment, a context, if you will, that's designed to build relationships of trust with non-believers. So in our youth ministry example, this is where the new kids who aren't maybe connected to the Lord, aren't connected to the youth ministry, this is where they show up and they make friends. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's dodgeball or it's a barbecue or whatever. A conversion engine, step number two, that's where it's a ministry or a moment where it's designed to offer an explicit proclamation of the gospel and foster initial conversion to Jesus. So oftentimes these happen in retreat moments, uh, things like that, where it's just a clear proclamation of the gospel and people are are invited to experience conversion. That then, if it works, should lead to the third step of discipleship formation. When people have entrusted themselves to the Lord in an intentional and clear way, the life of discipleship isn't automatic. People need to grow in the habits and understanding of what it means to be a Christian life uh, or what it means to be a Christian in their daily life. So sacraments, uh, knowledge, understanding, what, what does Jesus actually teach? What consequence does that have for my life? That's the third stage, discipleship formation. And then the fourth is missionary initiative. This would be a ministry designed to equip disciples as they engage in the mission of evangelization. Um, so it, it helps people figure out how has the Lord made me? How has the Lord called me to serve? And and, and who, who am I supposed to go with? And how am I supposed to do that? Help, help me be equipped for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, all of these stages could show up in a particular ministry, mm-hmm. like a school setting or religious ed, or it could be a collection of ministries that w- within a whole faith community like a parish that help move, help make disciples and help move people towards full maturity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's making sense. I do want you to know when you said step by step, 
I immediately went to that 90s show, Step by Step. Yeah, which I <laughs> barely remember. But the song is in your head now, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Thanks You're for welcome, that. everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but back to the, back to the more important conversation. I know we've been talking about this for a couple of years, but I I, I think this still feels like a very new concept for a lot of our parishes yes. and, and yeah. for a lot of our, our veteran ministers in the church. How are people responding to this? You know, so it's interesting. I, I would say the language is very new. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean. Um, there are a number of books that have been written in the Catholic and in non-Catholic context that use the terms, you know, clear path of discipleship mm-hmm. to talk about that. But I don't think any of them are more than five years old. However, I would say it's really not a new concept. Um, the idea of like an intentional plan for making disciples, I mean, it goes back to the very beginning of the church, St. Augustine, uh, all of the early writing and practice around the catechumenate and how do we make and form disciples so I feel like it's very old and ironically, the old stuff, i.e. like the principles, like how do we make disciples? Everybody loves that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a there's an allergy to terminology that's mm-hmm. new and we can talk more about that. But I feel like there's a there's a great receptivity to what a clear path of discipleship actually is. Mm-hmm. But sometimes there's a resistant, there's there's maybe kind of like there's some myths or misconceptions that keep people at bay as they're, they're not quite sure what to make of the concept. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If, if you want to have a really nice conversation with me over a beer, let's go into um, St. Augustine's catechumenal model and go deep in a nerdy way. Yeah. But- <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, is that an invitation? Well, yeah, let's go she, for it. Please. I, all I brought it. was tea today. <laughs> But tell me, tell me about what some of these misconceptions are, you know? Well, so, okay, first one, right? First misconception, <clears throat> which is, I think, one that is near and dear to my heart, is the misconception would be that a clear path of discipleship is a fad. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is there's this great instinct within, I, I think about like a veteran pastor or a, a kind of a seasoned youth minister, which kind of sounds like an oxymoron. <laughs> um, but like, like anybody who's been around for a while is just wisely suspicious of fads for a couple of reasons. One, they don't often work, but at a, at a deeper level, like, you know, if a fad is a, is a man-made counterfeit to the timeless wisdom from the church for making disciples, it really should be rejected. Mm-hmm. And again, we, we talked about this earlier, although the terminology clear path of discipleship is new, the principles are as old as, as, as old as the church. And I would say just like the rights of RCIA and the process of the, the right of Christian initiation for adults, just like that was kind of rediscovered and reformulated and rearticulated as part of the grace and uh, of Vatican II, I think this is in the same spirit, where this is a, a rediscovery of the church's essential missionary identity. It's just a representation of those same concepts. Mm-hmm. And I'll give an example of, of this. In ecclesial movements in the church, which in the United States is not as common for us, yeah. you know, if you have any like European or Latin American friends, like mm-hmm. they, ecclesial movements often represent, I don't want to say the heart of the church, but they're they're a deeply, commonly experienced part of the church mm-hmm. that is a little bit less common in the United States. 
becoming maybe a little more common. Yeah, I think more so. And again, we're blessed here uh, in Nebraska that a lot of the Spanish-speaking Ecclesia movements that serve immigrant populations and now kind of multi, multi-generational Spanish-speaking families, uh, they represent it. They represent kind of like the embodiment of these principles that in an ecclesial movement, everybody in the movement knows where conversion happens. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh yeah, we all go on the encounter retreat, mm-hmm. you know, and the encounter is maybe, you know, maybe the translation is in Italian or Spanish or whatever, Pick depends on the origin of the movement. But there's this place where everybody knows this is where people share their stories. This is where the gospel's preached. And this is where I and you and all of us, like we all kind of had a moment there. They also know this is how we bring people in, mm-hmm. you know, in our daily lives as we connect and we have conversations. This is this is our relational outreach. We've got a couple of like, you know, low-key uh, moments where we have dinners and we, we invite people in. They, they certainly know how people are formed, mm-hmm. right? This The discipleship formation uh, step. They know how that happens. Oh yeah, it's always Wednesday night, and we do it in the church basement. And we, you know, you know, and you know, Enrique is going to talk, and he's going to like share his story, and then he's going to teach people how. They know where that happens, and they know where and how people are are called into leadership and equipped for their personal mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, ecclesial movements embody this well. Mm-hmm. It's just you know these things have are are now. So translated, which I mean, if we're just completely honest, the Spanish speaking world and uh, some of the European ecclesial movements are just a few steps ahead of many of the English speakers. Mm-hmm. In the United States, I would say movements like NET, mm-hmm. uh, St. Paul's Outreach, Focus, um, there's a handful of others that seem to have the same type of ex- experience that they that they would most, I think, would say, yeah, we're an ecclesial movement. Um, and they're, they're some of the few that are English-speaking in their origins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So are there any other misconceptions? Oh, yeah. There's a, they are legion. No. There's a, <laughs> uh, I, maybe, I mean, I have like five identified. So okay. if the first one is a fad, no, a clear path of discipleship is not a fad. Okay. The second one is it's not a shortcut. Okay. Uh, and by that, I mean, a clear path of discipleship is not a promise that the life of discipleship will be easy or quick. Mm. You know, if anybody hears, and I think it's the clear part that maybe is offensive or a, a trigger word for some people, they're like, are you kidding? Like my journey of discipleship was long and confusing. There were lots of twists and turns. It was anything but clear. It was mm. only by God's grace that I was led along this path to, to Christian maturity. And in many ways, I say, exactly. Like, that is mm-hmm. exactly the point. The Christian life is not easy. Hearing the voice of the Lord and following his leading can be difficult. The goal of a clear path of discipleship is to try to not make that any harder than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And let's just be honest here for a moment. If a particular ministry or a parish doesn't have a plan for making disciples, what ends up happening is we end up multiplying programs and ministries that either don't connect to each other or worse yet, they just don't really lead anywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what happens practically, and this is tragic, individuals who want to grow, they don't know where to connect. They don't know how to plug in. Or worse yet, there may may just actually, not only do they not know, there just isn't anything for them. Mm -hmm. Like they're at a place in their life where they really want someone to teach them how to share their faith and to help them discover their personal gifting and their personal call from the Lord. And there's just nothing that does that. Yeah. Yeah. I think this has been very much my own experience entering into parish life as a young adult who 
already yeah. is on mission, it has been very, very challenging to find where I fit in in the normal parish community. Yeah. And I think probably some of our listeners can relate a little bit to that. Yeah. Well, and and if you can't relate, just a little bit of effort to imagine, like, but what if you didn't know what RCIA meant? Mm-hmm. What if you didn't know, you know, like what the like what the parish Bible study was about? Because not every Bible study is the same. I mean, mm-hmm. some Bible studies are primarily social for developing relationships, and they're a stepping stone to getting people on that retreat where mm-hmm. they encounter the Lord. And some Bible studies are deep dive, theory, theological, nerdy, which I mean, I love places for people who deeply love the Lord, who are really trying to to fill out their understanding. Unless there's some clear way to articulate what a ministry is, who it's for, how it helps you grow in the life of discipleship, we end up creating a maze. And so, yeah, a clear path of discipleship is not is not a shortcut. That's the point. It's not easy sometimes to follow the path. And we want to make sure that our parishes uh, and our ministries do everything they can to minimize the confusion by offering clarity about how things fit together and what particular ministries and key moments are designed to do. Mm-hmm. So that, right, ideally, everyone in the parish can help be a little bit of a tour guide to help mm-hmm. people find their place. And even more, maybe newcomers could have just a little bit of a leg up to self-select. Yeah, They're like, oh, when I heard that advertised, when I saw the flyer, I think, hey, that might be for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that makes total sense. So it's not a shortcut. What about, you know, sometimes when I hear it's a clear path, I think, and probably what what some other people hear is that, okay, then I just move from step to step to step to step. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's that that's great, Jody. It's not, it's actually not an assembly line Mm -hmm. either. Like, again, I'm a fan of the industrial revolution when it comes to like cars Mm -hmm. and well, I'm actually not a fan of like all the plastic goods that inundate our <laughs> lives, but whatever. I mean, there's a lot about the industrial Re- revolution I love. I'm not a big fan of what it, you know, of the way when it occasionally creeps into ministry. Yeah. I would say rather than mass production, I think, right, the making of disciples is more of a craftsman, mm. right, sort, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it it's more about craftsmanship. It's more about like, you know, a, a clear path of discipleship doesn't mean just stringing together four silver bullet programs. Mm-hmm. Really what it is, is it's a commitment to providing a context for accompanying people at every stage of the journey, no matter how long it takes. Mm-hmm. And think about it this way, but this is maybe a, if, if I can offer a little thought bomb here, that is when we talk about ministries and programs, that's really what we mean. Like are, they are a context mm-hmm. where there's a place and there's particular people gathered together. There's things that happen, whether it be content or food or whatever. We're trying to create a context for the Lord to work mm-hmm. in people's lives. And sometimes that follows predictable patterns, you know, particularly when you get like a weekend retreat that preaches the gospel. Often those things work and yeah. people have an encounter with the Lord. But a clear path of discipleship isn't this you know, like assembly line. It's a commitment to like, okay, we have this space where conversion can happen, where we're preaching the gospel, where this space where discipleship formation can happen. But if someone is not ready to move to the next stage, like, okay, now, now equip me for mission, 
that's okay. Yeah. It, and, and it's actually, ironically, it's actually safe with a clear path for someone to stay there because whatever they need in terms of ongoing formation as a disciple, they have a place to be and to grow until they are ready to move on to be you know, formed as a missionary disciple. Yeah. Yeah, it really helps a, a lot to avoid that assembly line uh, me- mentality if you have a clear path of discipleship. I would say the key to making sure that it's not, that it doesn't kind of become that, is actually having missionary disciples that can accompany people. And I would say more than that, even people with the charism of pastoring, mm-hmm. if you will, and I don't mean like the office of pastoring, there's you know one person who has that job, but people who have the, the charism, it's kind of like they're you know, helpers for, for the pastor, that they just have this intuition that they can help people find and discern their next steps. There's a, oh, my gosh. I mean, you just think about in the realm of discipleship formation, mm-hmm. there's so much great stuff now. Mm-hmm. And people, you know, with that kind of gift who are accompanying people who are really at that stage of the journey, they can help people find the stuff that suits their particular needs, mm-hmm. questions, desires right now. So, yeah, I think you said something about that we're, what we're really looking for are craftsmen, right? Yeah. You yeah. know, and I think I think for for many of us when we look back on our own stories, sometimes we have a tendency to credit our encounter with the Lord with a program, right? Right. And so then when our, yes. when that program no longer exists, <clears throat> we think, well, how will kids will encounter Jesus? You know? Right. But then I look at that program or that event or that book or whatever that case was. And and then I look, and if I really look at that story and that moment or that experience, it was really that there was another person there or there was a community. Yes. Yes. And so there was yeah. a context. There were craftsmen around who knew how to love me well. Yes. And some, I think what we are learning is that there are some, some contexts that better suit relationships than others. Yeah. Right. Ab- absolutely. Yep. Yeah. The Lord can move through a lot of crazy things. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. Praise God. Praise God. I have heard some stories and I'm like, how did you meet Jesus in that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And it's beautiful. But we can we can work alongside him to set up context for craftsmen to really thrive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just an example would be so many ministries within the church today are beginning to embrace the small group dynamic, mm-hmm. because what it does is it, it provides a space for dialogue mm-hmm. and for witness and for a mature missionary disciple to hear and engage and walk with mm-hmm. someone, no matter how long it takes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just one other, you know, before I know you've got two more myths, but one other thing I think I love about that, about that element of the craftsman the clear path is it also gives the craftsman the right space to work. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, if we're going to like build this analogy, it's like they need like craftsmen still need a workshop. Yeah. Like give me a space and a context and some tools, Mm -hmm. right? Some programs, whatever, like where I can do this Mm -hmm. again, like my dad who, who was a craftsman, he was a carpenter. He could do like anything with like, you know, if you gave him some, you know, bailing wire, duct tape and, you know, and a little handsaw. Yeah. But he was really good when he was in his workshop. Yep. When he had his full spread of tools, when he had, you know, his workbench, he could do great stuff. Mm-hmm. And in, in like manner, you know, a, a missionary disciple is just going to be fruitful wherever you place them. But if you can place them in a workshop, if you give them the right context, their fruitfulness can increase yeah. dramatically. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So 
Let's go on. Let's let's hear about another one. Okay. Conceptions. Well, so this is related, right? The assembly line myth, uh, you know, that we just kind of de- debunked is similar. I think part of what is offensive to, to us in this idea of an assembly line is that there's some pre predetermined timeline. Mm. And so since we're talking about timeline, like myth number four, a clear path of discipleship is not a quick fix. This is gonna this is gonna annoy everybody, right? <laughs> Those of you who are on the side, like, but I want a quick fix. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to do this fast. I'm sorry. It actually takes a while. And then for those of you who you know who who don't want a quick fix, I guess it's probably it's probably somewhat re- reassuring. Although it could take longer than than even you want, it can seem overwhelming, right? All of the stuff as we start to recognize, like, man, so I need to find a way for children and for adults, and then adults. Well, there's single adults, and then there's married adults, and there's like, you know, mm-hmm. I need to find a way to help everybody kind of grow in this life of discipleship. Yes, the process of discerning the needs of your mission field, the the members of your parish and the future members of your parish, discerning, okay, like what do they need to grow? What are the right context, ministries, programs, et cetera, for us? I mean, it can take a full three to five years mm-hmm. of ongoing discernment and implementation, building one step at a time. Okay. Now that can seem like a lot. I would say just getting started, okay, again, it's just one step. And it really begins by kind of asking questions like, okay, where's the Lord already at work? We like to say, it's like, before you build a highway, start with a dirt path. So I remember when I was in college, uh, God bless Benetton College, I'm a, I'm a proud alumni uh, or alumnus, but when they, when they, put, uh, they put a new building in, they poured the sidewalks mm-hmm. right away when they put the new building in. And it was like two weeks later, it was really clear None of the students were using the sidewalks because mm. there was a shortcut and all of mm-hmm. a sudden there was a dirt path. And I'd say in similar fashion, before you start building some program that is going to be your conversion engine or that's going to be your discipleship formation, just take a little while and discern and assess where's the Lord already at work? Yeah. Meaning like where are people growing as disciples? Where are people already experiencing conversion? Where mm-hmm. are people already relationally connecting? Because oftentimes, building a clear path of discipleship, it's really the art of recognizing what's already working mm-hmm. and increasing some of the resources, some of the prominence, providing additional leaders for, again, a ministry of the Lord is already blessing mm-hmm. and a context that he already seems to be at work in. Gotcha. So what you're saying is that we're not just going to start from scratch. Right. Yeah. There's usually some, now again, sometimes there there just isn't a particular place where the Lord is already at work, let's say, equipping disciples for mission. That's mm-hmm. often one um, that is very commonly missing from other ministry contexts, from, from many kind of like even whole faith communities, even whole parishes. Yeah. But even then, I would say, you don't have to totally reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Are there other places, other parishes, other ministries where you can say, well, wait a minute, they do a great job of calling people into mission, helping people discern their particular gifts, equipping them. And if and like if you need help finding or identifying, my team and I would love, Jody and I, we mm-hmm. would love to help you 
learn from some other ministries and some other parishes across the archdiocese or across the country that have done that well. Mm -hmm. So even if there isn't a dirt path that's already started in your community, Mm -hmm. you're probably not the first one to ask the question, how do we form leaders or how do we foster conversion or how do we engage newcomers? Yeah. And at least ideally, like the Lord's moving somewhere in your parish. So maybe part of the path isn't formed, but he started the path somewhere. Yes, so maybe it's absolutely. along the conversion engine and maybe not that other area. So absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we like to say like people are the foundation of the clear path. And that means two things. That means one, like a clear path of discipleship is really about helping individuals mm-hmm. grow. And so, you know, so it's people process that's this this process of evangelization and programs that's kind of like the last layer and the mm-hmm. programs might end up being one of the most visible parts mm-hmm. but the foundation like people really are the foundation but that's in two ways people are the foundation in that that's the fundamental basic cell building block like that's what we're really trying to serve individual souls but as you get to the building phase this, the phrase also holds true people are a foundation of the clear path and that as you're beginning to build, let's say a new ministry or a step, who are the people, the leaders, the missionary disciples the Lord has given you? What's on their heart? What are their, what's their passion? I mean, that's how I always, I have, right, like nerd alert, right? I have ideation in my (laughs) Gallup top five. So I never have a lack of ideas. Um, And sometimes Jody's like, oh God, tell us about it. (laughs) So true. (laughs) No, I mean, sometimes it, it, sometimes it occurs. Actually, when I'm overtired, I kind of lose containment and like the reactor goes nuts and I just can't stop coming up with ideas. (laughs) So I sleep with a notepad so I can like scribble them down. And Is that true? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like cuddle up with it, but I, but it's, it's by my bedside. So, or I use my phone. I just want to go back to that first question I asked you of something. Something you don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. No, but Siri, like I use Siri and I use a notepad to take ideas so I can get them out of my head and I can sleep or attend Uh to whatever I'm actually supposed to be paying attention to. With with all that being said, yeah, where the heck was I going? (laughs) Ideation. Oh, I never have a lack of ideas, but I've learned Okay, next level discernment. Is there a leader? Is there a person? Is there a disciple that the Lord has placed alongside me that shares this passion? That when I share this idea, they're like, oh my gosh, I've been praying about the same thing. It's like, okay, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the Lord's will, but it's a really nice first step. So if you're running a youth ministry and you're like, man, what if we had a place where we could really, really welcome newcomers in? Well, let that dream grow, ferment, develop a little bit, and then share it with someone and see if they respond well. Mm-hmm. Because that's a really nice confirmation that you're you're on the right path in terms of beginning to build. Mm-hmm. Ha- has the Lord given you other people who share your understanding of the need or your your vision for how that need might be filled? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we're I think we're ready to hear that last misconception then. Okay, so this this one is. This is my favorite misconception <laughs> because there's a part of it that's really true. Mm-hmm. So there's there's kind of a false fear and then there's a no, 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 no. I mean, this is true. So mm. if I can break it down, the the last misconception kind of myth around a clear path of discipleship is that it's that you need to slash and burn all your existing ministries, hmm. that, that you need to cut them all, you need to start over. And that's not the case. Right, building a clear path of discipleship is a commitment to good leadership and good shepherding. And so, like cutting all your ministries uh, in the hopes of making disciples, that's just not good leadership. That's mm. that's kind of violent. Yeah. However, 
this is where the kind of uncomfortable true part comes in. Mm -hmm. There are some ministries that may need to be paused mm -hmm. for a time or pruned so that others can grow and flourish. But this requires, back to the shepherd, this, this does require good communication and careful discernment. So let me give maybe an example yeah, here. Please. Often uh, a step on the clear path of discipleship, we mentioned this earlier, can be built out of an existing ministry. That existing ministry just gets highlighted in a new way. It maybe gets an emphasis, maybe additional leader, leaders, resources, prominence. That can be in just because we because we're humans, that can sometimes be perceived as some sort of unfair favoritism. Mm. Or just at a very practical level, sometimes the resources aren't available, mm -hmm. meaning that the leaders, the facility space, the finances, or or just this is good, I mean, bulletin space, but just like announcement space. Sometimes there's just not communication space to highlight the importance of this conversion retreat. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it might be necessary to pause some ministries who are like, hey, we're just gonna like not do some of these wonderful things for a little while now so that we can make it very clear that we want everyone to have this, this encounter moment with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and so it's this pausing and pruning, which can like, you know, sometimes give us uh, give us pause or or a little bit of trepidation because we're going to be disappointing people. We're going to be, yeah, you know, we're afraid that, yeah, that, that people are going to feel slighted. That is essential, but pausing and pruning with wisdom and discernment mm -hmm. is not the same thing as cutting everything. Yeah. And if I can be, my hope is, is that some of the, some of the experience we've had with COVID where in a moment Almost everything we did was labeled as non-essential. Give us stuff like, you know, it isn't that bad to, to to temporarily pause or prune something. Well, that's actually not, it's actually not that bad. Mm -hmm. And again, pruning, you know, when I'm, I'm not, huh, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm not much of a, not much of an arborist or a, or a, an agronomist. I'm not great. I, I hate pruning. I feel so bad, like cutting off these. You do know the word agronomist though. So I yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm not good at it. I know yeah. the word, but like. Pruning is really hard. And like my wife, who is wonderful, she's actually a very good, very good gardener. She's like brutal. She'll like, I'm like, honey, you killed it. It's like, no, I didn't. But you know, like you do, you kind of rose bushes. Mm -hmm. You kind of have to hack the things down and it looks like you've killed it. But then all of a sudden there's this beautiful flowering that comes. Mm -hmm. That is a discipline for ministry leaders, whether it be youth ministry coordinator, again, pastor, DRE, whatever. That that's a discipline that is required. So there is again some truth to the to the mm -hmm. fear about oh gosh I'm going to have to disappoint people and have some difficult conversations. But disappointing people, pausing and pruning is not the same thing as just cutting everything out. Yeah, I just think I think of even some of the experiences we've had around here lately of either letting go of some things and allowing them to resurrect in a different time mm -hmm. in a different space. There's there's been some times of that where we were sad to let go of some things, but the time wasn't right or the energy that just yeah. the Lord's allowing that. And some things are resurrecting or some things will, right? We have a Lord of, of resurrection. And yeah. then I also just think of like the old adage of if everything's important, nothing's important. And this yes. is hard because you're talking about people in your parish who right. the one thing they're involved with, you might be saying as pastor, it's not a part of what's most important. Yeah. And I know 
we've experienced that as we've had to navigate and maneuver different things with the right. goal, you know? Right. Well, and it's, a, yeah. So, I mean, one, yeah, ch- chancery folks, uh, we are not immune to the, yeah. to the task of having to prune and pause and reassess what we're doing and how. But even more, I mean, let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard to tell someone, okay, we're just going to need to pause this this ministry for a while because when you say, okay, this this ministry needs to be paused, this isn't the most important thing right now, they hear, I'm not important mm-hmm. because in an unhealthy way, they have identified themselves. Their identity has gotten too wrapped up in their ministry. Let me just say, like, if you're a pastor or a ministry leader of some sort, uh, that's an essential conversation you need to be having anyway, because yeah. it's unhealthy for us when we forget that the Lord is the one doing the work, and when we've identi- when we've made our identity, our ministry, mm-hmm. that that's problematic. Mm-hmm. And so, if building a clear path of discipleship puts you in a position where you're doing that anyway, that's just good care of souls and a good shepherding of of leaders anyway. Uh, maybe I can like leave us here with a metaphor that I think can be really helpful. Because every ministry, I want to be really clear to say this, every ministry can find a place in a clear path of discipleship. Some are going to serve the making of disciples more directly, but everything can find find its place. It's just, we don't want any ministries that aren't actually serving people becoming fully mature disciples. So the, the metaphor is kind of like a road analogy, right? A clear path of discipleship would be kind of like the highway. That is that you're, it's your clear four lane. You know, there's a lot of traffic that can move through. There's a prominence, like the signage, everything is kind of pointed to that. But there is a place for every different ministry and apostolate in things like frontage roads and side streets. They're all really helpful as long as they lead somewhere, mm-hmm. as long as they eventually connect back into that main highway, mm-hmm. that's fine. And honestly, I mean, almost any ministry, even to the point of being ridiculous, almost any ministry can play a role in clear path. I mean, so, you know, some of our listeners know Whitney, the producer, sometimes like, you know, the joke is like, how does the, uh, how does the knitting club that some parishes have, how does that fit in? And she's like, oh my gosh, like, mm. As a, you know, as a millennial, like, I love crafting. She's like, have you heard of Etsy? It's mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, and like, 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 imagine a group of women or men for that matter, but chiefly women. I don't think I'm too far out on limb on this. Like who, who really know how to knit, who are mature disciples in prayer. If they were welcoming in kind of young millennials who wanted to really learn how to craft, that could be an amazing on-ramp uh, ministry, a relational outreach. Typically, it's 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 not that's you know it's usually not a place where you know young women are connecting to mature disciples uh, within the community, but it could be. It could be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe to kind of close close this here because mm-hmm. time always flies mm-hmm. when we get together and talk. I would just if any of these things are resonating with mm-hmm. with people, I want to encourage you to like just read. And start to learn about mm-hmm. about these things. There's a number of great resources I'd love to highlight. Mm-hmm. First off, I mean a shout out to 
uh, Andy Deka and a number of other folks that have done uh, equip cast episodes. I'm thinking of skill demo number seven. Uh, there's a study guide that goes with it. Um, there's a fair number of clear path of discipleship episodes. Any of those, we can link to those in the show notes. Any of those are great. They, you know, we have a spotlight kind of on each stage. Also a big fan of Tim Glemkowski, his book Made for Mission. He's got a whole chapter. There's also, if you're not so much a reader, uh, reviveparishes.com. Again, mm-hmm. it's reviveparishes.com. Yeah, they're excellent. Oh, amazing. It's, it's free. Uh, you just sign up. You give away your email. But um, <laughs> but you sign up and Father Mike Schmitz, Tim Glemkowski, um, a whole host of other Julianne Stans, really clear, articulate voices talking about various aspects, everything from stewardship and development to the creation of a clear path of discipleship, to the evangelization of adults, running of youth ministry, on and on. Great modular video short courses that are just really very, very, very well done. Yeah. And God willing, I am in the process of writing a little ebook on like, what does it mean to, to build a clear path of discipleship? What is, what is a missional community? Uh, I would appreciate prayers for that. I don't naturally consider myself a writer, but uh-huh. the Lord's been kind of on me to do that. And I'm about, I'm about halfway through of that. So if that turns out- I have a question. Uh, we'll make that available. Yes. Um, over under seven metaphors per chapter. Oh, uh, <laughs> per chapter? Um, mm-hmm. Per chapter, I'm probably under seven metaphors per chapter. Okay. But, but just, there's only a lot just. of chapters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only just. No. Yeah. I just, I appreciate we'll it. <laughs> I'm not done yet. Yeah. I that's appreciated like a, we ended with a metaphor. It yeah. just made sense. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. That's the editing process. I'm like, oh, we should add a few more metaphors yeah. to this chapter. <laughs> Jody, thank you. This was really, yeah. this was really fun. Well, thank you for joining me <laughs> on the Equipcast. <laughs> Happy to do it. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening again, Jody. Thank you. Yes. And um, if there's anything, if this, again, if this has stirred anything uh, for you, if you have questions about developing a clear path of discipleship, check out the show notes and the other resources recommended. And if there's anything uh, that Jody or I can help uh, in terms of building a clear path of discipleship in a particular ministry context or in a parish, don't hesitate to give us a call or uh, email us jmjansen at archomaha.org. And J.M. Phillips with an S at archomaha.org. Thanks, everybody. Bye.